I believe one of the greatest tools we have in the house of God that we fail to use is the power of prayer. I believe that if we understood the true power of prayer and what it can do in our lives, listen, we ain't even seen the tip of the iceberg of what God would do in our lives. I want you to go with me to 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19. You pray for me this morning. I found out over the last few months I've got a lump on my thyroid that it's benign, nothing to it. I've been to test, but uh, it's the size of a normal thyroid, and it causes me to go hoarse pretty quick. And so uh, we're dealing with that now too, but uh, I I told God he's in control. I'll preach till he takes the voice away, amen? And uh, you pray that it'll stay with us and I can give you something. 2 Kings chapter 19, if you're there, say amen. Let's begin in verse number 14. The Bible says Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers. And he read it, and Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. And he spread the letter before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims. Now, key on that, we'll come back to that here in just a little bit. He says, God, thou art the God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the word of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands. They've cast their gods into the fire. But notice this right here. He said they were no gods. He says, the works of men's hands, they were wood and stone, therefore they destroyed them. I want you to notice verse number 19. Now therefore, O Lord our God, get these words right here. I beseech thee, save thus us out of his hand. Why? I want you to notice here, and I'm stopping and emphasizing this because a lot of times we pray amiss. Would you agree? You say, what do you mean amiss? We pray with the wrong motives. We pray for the wrong reason. We ask with hidden agenda of what we want God to do in our life. And can I tell you something? God knows. God knows. But look what he says in verse number 19. Save us out of his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art Lord God, even thou only. For just a little bit of time, I want to preach to you on somebody touched heaven. Let's pray. Father, help us now. You know our heart. We've not come just to go through another service, just to fill another moment of saying we preached. God, I believe people have come in here today that need a seed thrown in their heart. They need a word spoken into their life that they can take from here and stand on. This week, the months ahead, the days ahead, God, we, we have no clue what tomorrow holds. There may be some of us sitting here today in peace, in comfort, really nothing going on that's out of the ordinary. But God, in just a moment, our phone could ring. Someone could walk up to the door of our house. We could get in our car and leave here and something happen that could change our whole world. And God, there are things we know the devil would like to throw out before us and make happen in our lives that would bring total chaos. 
But we're thankful today that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God, I pray today that we could reassure someone and give confidence in someone that there's a God sitting in heaven who loves them, who cares for them, and wants to act on behalf of whatever it is today they need you to do. God, help us right now, we pray. Touch our voice, touch our body. Help us deliver your word, and we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In the first 13 verses, what you'll find here is Hezekiah gets a letter of intimidation, if you would, from another king and another uh, uh, group of of, uh, soldiers called the Assyrians. The Assyrians had afflicted the Israelites for years and had come against the land of Israel and had battled the land of Israel. And, And if you read the first 13 verses, now don't read while I'm preaching, all right? I don't want you to get distracted. But if you go back and read that passage of Scripture, if you're a Bible student, you've read it before, you'll find that he begins to lay out some things he's done. The the king in this letter, you say, Brother Jason, how do you know that? You just got to read what he said, and you can read between the pages here. He's given him a little uh, uh, intimidation factor in what he said. He, He lays out that, hey, I have went into kingdoms who had great armies, who had great finances, who had phenomenal, well-known kings. And look, here's what he says. I destroyed them. I have destroyed their gods. I've destroyed their... Basically, he lays out, there is nothing left. This letter now comes to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah's reading it, and, and his heart becomes burdened, and there's a reason his heart becomes burdened, because he loves his kingdom. He loves his people. He loves what God has given him. Listen, there are some of you here today, and and I believe you're here because you have a love for your family. You have a love for your neighbors. You have a love for your community. I believe this church is doing all it can to reach Derby and reach the community around. Why? Because you love people and you want to see God help them. Some of you have brought your children to church this morning to put them under the, uh, the word of God or brought your family here, dads or moms or whoever got you here. They brought you here because they want you to hear the things of God. Why? Because they love you. But can I tell you something? There's an enemy. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. How many's heard that verse before? How many's heard 1 Peter 5 and 8? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you something, friend? The Bible teaches us, submit yourself, the book of James. He says, submit yourself unto the Lord. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of us treat the devil like a distant cousin. We'll sit and conversate with him. We'll sit and battle with him. We try to outwit him. We try to out, but listen, he hates you. And Hezekiah realizes there's an enemy. And I want to show you some things this morning, I pray, through this passage of Scripture and through the example we have in this Word that will help you with your prayer life. See, Hezekiah gets this letter, and in this letter he begins to read, and his heart becomes burdened because this king has told him, hey, I will destroy you. I will destroy your family. I will destroy your nation. I will ruin you. Listen, look up here this morning. The devil wants nothing more than to destroy your home, destroy your faith, destroy your hope, destroy your life. He came to steal your hope. He came to steal your dreams. He came to steal your life. He came to steal that, to kill your dreams, and destroy you utterly if he can without any hope and without any life. And listen, there's some of you sitting here today 
You're letting that go on. Now listen, I, I, I'm a preacher. I, my mind runs all kinds of places. I, I could hit a lot of things this morning. There's some of us set in our silence of just us by ourselves, thinking our sin is not hurting anyone else. Listen, Satan's laughing in the corner because he's quietly destroying you. He's quietly defeating you. You think what you're doing and the secrets that you're living and holding on to are affecting no one else, but it's destroying your home. It's destroying your family. It's destroying your relationship. And instead of doing what you should do as a man of God or a woman of God and fight for your family and realize that it's not a people fight. We're fighting against principalities and powers and wickedness. The devil utterly wants to destroy you so that he can set back for eternity while you're burning in hell or your children's burning in hell and he can lie laugh at you. Listen, what happened to Hezekiah? He realized, get a hold of this, the seriousness of this letter. Can I tell you what will change your prayer life and change you getting on your face before God? When you get burdened. I'll never forget on June 26, 2008, when the doctor hands me my first little boy. My boy is over at Legacy this morning playing music because that's where God talented him and the praise team had to be gone and they asked him to step in so he's not with us this morning. 15 years old now, but I remember when God handed him to me and I thought to myself, I have a responsibility and a calling that I've never had before to protect him, to raise him. Since that time, God's given me two others, and every day of my life, I wake up and I think about. I'm not living for me no more. I'm not fighting just for me. And Hannah, raise your hand. This is my wife. Raise your hand. There you go. This is my wife. I'm fighting for her and them children. And look up here. If you don't hear anything I say, get a hold of this. Satan hates me, but he'll let me go to heaven if he can destroy her and them three babies God give me. Satan will leave me alone. Why? Because I've been at this long enough, I've done this long enough, that if I'll just coast, and I could say a lot about that, that's what God showed me over the last several years that I had started doing. Been in ministry 25 years, been around the church all my life, grew up going to church in my mama's womb. Before I ever come out of the womb, I was going to church. All I'd ever known was the things of God. Raised in Christian school, raised by a preacher daddy, raised in the house of God all my life. I had seen it, I had experienced it, I had watched it, I had been around the church all my life, and listen, I'd put it on cruise control. Because in ministry and Christian living, I thought nothing will come my way that I've not seen or I can't get through because look up here I thought I've been there and I'm only I just turned 45 I'm young I thought I've got some experience under my belt the last year God let me go through some things because here's what he wanted me to realize your prayer life and your warrior ability ain't what it should be you're listen my wife can tell you I study this thing I read this thing I want to know this thing but listen, a lot of times it came out of have to instead of need to. I, I'm being very transparent this morning. I know it's on live stream, things that I normally, I, I'm not that type of person. I'm pretty private. But I want to help somebody here this morning because God is pouring this in my heart. This ain't even in my notes. I'll get to them here in a minute. Some of y'all take a deep breath. 
All right? I'll let you out before IHOP closes, okay? You'll get that on the way home. Listen to me. Some of us don't realize the seriousness of the battle we're in. Some of us don't realize the seriousness of what the devil wants to do in our lives. Hezekiah gets this letter and his heart sinks because here's what hit, the reality hits him all of a sudden. He's destroyed kings that I looked up to, Hezekiah thinks. He's destroyed armies that I would give anything to have the warriors that army had. He has destroyed nations that as a king, I would have been honored to be the leader of. And here's where reality hits Hezekiah. My resources, my talents, and my abilities aren't enough. I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again. There was a song that we sang at our church the other day. And as Brother Anderson began to sing it, the words I've heard a thousand times, but it never resonated in my mind like it did that day. It said, in that one of the verses, it says, Lord, please forgive me because I thought I could handle whatever life would throw my way. And I began to think about that myself, and I thought, man, there comes a place in our life, and I could testify of what God's taken me through the last year, but I want you to get a hold of this. There comes a place in our life that God wakes us up to realize you're no match without me. See, Hezekiah gets the letter in his hand, and he begins to read it, and his heart begins to sink with fear. His heart begins to pound hard with, with anxiety. I don't know who's here this morning, but there's some of you dealing with that today. Life has been squeezed out of you. Joy has been squeezed out of you. Anxiety is rolling you. Fear is rolling you. You wake up every morning afraid to put one step in front of the other. You're going through the motions and you're going through life. And you may have even come in here this morning with a smile on your face, but you're ate up with fear and you're ate up with defeat because the devil is having his way in your life. And Hezekiah, that begins to happen to him. But I want you to notice what he says. Notice this. In verse number 17 of that passage of Scripture, he says, let me back up to verse 16. He says, Lord, bend your ear down and listen. Open your eyes up and see what's being said here, God. Aren't you glad we serve a God who can hear us? Aren't you glad we serve a God that can see us? But notice in verse 17, he says, of a truth, they have done all these things. Destroyed the nations, their land. Notice verse 18, they've cast their gods into the fire. But get a hold of this. They were no gods, but the works of men's hands, wood, stone. And notice what he says. Therefore, because of what I just said, that's what therefore or wherefore, anytime you see that in the word of God, you need to go back and read what was just said. He said, because of that, because they were created by men's hands, because they weren't really a God, they were destroyed, cast down, and thrown into the fire. Can I tell you this morning why some of you are not getting the victory you need in your life? Why some of you are not having the breakthrough that you hoped for when you surrendered your life to God, you became a child of God, oh, you've been saved, and you've changed your way of living, but some of you still aren't having the breakthrough with God that you need in your life. It's because you've 
built things in your life that you think you can trust and that you think you can put confidence in and God's trying to let you realize those are God or man-made gods in your life. You've got to let go of them and trust the one and true living God. See, I say that with conviction and you may be sitting here thinking, Brother Jason, why are you hollering? It's passion because I'm preaching to you from something I went through. I'd been to college. I'd studied the Bible. I had been raised in a Christian home. I'd been raised in Christian school. I'd been, and listen, I, I had confidence in, in a lot of things that I, listen, they weren't bad things. They were good things. But I had confidence in my head knowledge. I wasn't truly relying on God. Can I tell you where your life will change and you'll begin to touch heaven? There's a story about a preacher by the name of Maze Jackson. You may not have heard of him. Some of you may. Maze was standing in a tent revival, and a lady walks up to him at the end of the revival and says, Brother Maze, as she takes his hand, she makes this statement. Would you touch heaven for my lost son? He's lost, and if God don't change him, he's bound for hell. Maze Jackson wrote in a book that he writes, and he said, that moved me so deeply that I couldn't go out to eat with the other preachers after church. I couldn't go back and just lay on my bed and watch the news or read the newspaper. He said, that night, the way that gripped me, when he said, first time I'd ever heard, would you please touch heaven? He said, I went back to my motel room, and he said, I didn't kneel beside the chair. I, I didn't kneel beside the bed. He said, I literally got on my face on the floor with my face to the ground. And he said, I began to weep and cry out to God. He said, I didn't know the boy. I didn't know him at all. I didn't know the lady. But he said, the words of would you touch heaven, the burden of that mama gripped my heart so strong that he said, I laid there and wept. I didn't know what to say. But listen, some of you may be sitting here this morning thinking, what does it mean, Brother Jason, to touch heaven? It's when the burden of what you're going through, what your family's experiencing, what your life's experiencing, what you really need in your life becomes so heavy, you realize that if God doesn't move, it's a lost cause. See, some of you this morning need to realize that what Hezekiah realized. Mace Jackson said, I, I, I prayed there, and he said about three months later, here comes a lady with a guy walking beside her. and He's got a Bible tucked under his arm, and he said, long story short, Mama looked at me and said, do you remember three months ago I asked you to touch heaven for my boy? I said, this is my boy. He was saved. Mays went on to say he became one of the best preachers in North Carolina area, man of God. And, he's, and Mays went on to write a sermon about touching heaven. And that's not what I'm preaching this morning because I can't even do it justice what he preached. But the thought of that, when I read that, gripped my heart. When are we going to get burdened to the place that we touch heaven? When are we going to get burdened to the place that we let go of our man-made gods? Some of us trust in our ability and our, our talents and our gifts and our, our no-so. We think we know what it takes to win this war of life. And can I tell you, the Bible makes very clear that we're no match for the devil. But Hezekiah points out something here I want you to get a hold of. He says, God, they were fake gods. But he said, you're the one true God. You're the one living God. And as I got to thinking about that, when he said, bow down your ears and open your eyes, I thought, man, I'm glad we serve a God that's alive. I'm glad we serve a God that's able. I'm glad we serve a God that's awesome. I'm glad we serve a God that's amazing. 
pleasing. I'm glad that we serve a God who is accessible and active on our behalf. When I began to think about it, I said, man, I'm glad he's available God. Amen. See, what happened here is Hezekiah knew where to go. Hezekiah got burdened. Hezekiah got touched in his heart. The burden of his prayer, what caused him, Brother Jason, to get desperate, hungry, serious, and begin seeking? He loved what God had given him, and he knew if God didn't protect it, it would utterly be destroyed. That's where some of us need to get to today. Some of you have, have lost hope in your children, in your grandchildren, in your husband, in your wife, in your family, your home, your dad, your mom, your brothers, your uncles, aunts, cousins. Listen, God is able to reach them. But look up here. When's the last time you got on your face and touched heaven for him? Oh, listen. A lot of us go through saying, and here's how we pass it off. That's life. That's their choice. That's what the, Can I tell you something? I, I said this in the first service. And I believe God put me through the things he put me through the last year to change my heart and understand no one is too far gone for God. I sat beside, I shake hands with, I've ate dinner with. I, I, I'm part of a church now that, that I'm just attending and serving over in Wichita there with Brother Grant Ledbetter that we've got homeless people that are now saved and got a job and working and God's put their family back together that every week when they walk in, I think, only God could do that. Listen, I'm not exaggerating. Guys I knew were sleeping in their truck, strung out on drugs, out of their mind, didn't know where they was, Guys that were such alcoholics that, listen, they, they didn't know if they had their pants on their legs or on their head. They were that drunk and out of their mind. And God has put them in their right mind, put their family together. Their children were gone and they didn't know where they're at. God's brought them back together and doing things in their life. Why? Because somebody got a burden for them and touched heaven. And God saved them. See, Hezekiah realized, hey, if God doesn't move, can I tell you something? We better wake up in this society. I just got that in my notes, and I got it highlighted, but I thought, man, I, I heard a preacher friend of mine the other day. He said, a church, the church today better wake up because, listen, America has woke up. And, and there's a lot I could throw in there. You say, what do you mean by that? We're living, you've heard it, in the woke society. Huh? They're, they're trying to destroy everything we've been given and handed by our forefathers. And if the church don't wake up, listen, it's going to be gone. It's going to be taken from us. Hezekiah realized, man, if God don't move, my freedom of worship, my family, everything I've labored for and worked for is utterly going to be destroyed. And so what does he do? He takes the letter and he heads up to the house of God. I want you to see the burden of his prayer, but I want you to notice, secondly, the basis of his prayer. Notice what he says here. He says in verse number 18, he said, they, truly, they, they've been destroyed. They've cast them into the fire, and they've destroyed them, but they were the works of man's hands. Now notice what he ver says in verse 19. Now therefore, notice that word again. They made their gods look weak. Listen, they were fake, frivolous, false gods. But notice what he says. He says, because they've done this, O God, I pointed this out to you a while ago, and I want to point it out again. I beseech thee. Go back and study that word. I, I, I'm not going to go a lot in depth on that, but that's a pleading. That's pleading with God. When you beseech somebody, listen, that's begging. 
Notice what he says in verse 19. I beg thee, save thou us. Look up here this morning. When's the last time you begged God to do something miraculous in your life? See, he got a burden, but I want you to notice this, the basis of his prayer. Notice where he went up to the house of God. Notice who he begins to call on. Notice verse 19. He says, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand. Why? Notice this, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the, and this is key, Lord God, big G. Now, I use the King James Version, and I'm not here to debate Bibles at all. I'm not here to say you're wrong if you're using another one. But in my Bible, it points out something that's very unique to me. When you go back and you notice that Hezekiah is talking about their gods, it's a little g. But when he points out the Lord God, notice he puts the word Lord before God, and it's capitalized with a big G. You know what that's there to represent, and it has meaning and it has purpose. It's the God Almighty. And if you go back and study the names of God in the Word of God, you'll begin to understand that these had emphasis and they were put there for a reason for that because when it was read among the people and, and they read them, they understood the difference between man-made gods. And notice what he says here. He says, God, would you show up on the scene that all the world may know that you're the Almighty One? That you are the creator. You, you, you notice he pointed that out in a few verses earlier. You created, of all the kingdoms, you created the heavens and the earth. And notice his heart. His heart was not, look at this, I want you to get, if you don't get anything, get a hold of this. His heart was not that I come out of this shining like a star. Man, I could preach, Brother Tony, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, I thought I could preach that right there and us Bible students and people that love the Word of God, you, you get where I'm going with that. Our motive a lot of times is pure at heart, but our actions say a lot more. A lot of times we want God to move so it saves our image. So it saves who we are. So it makes us look spiritual or look like we really got a hold of God. Can I tell you why he wanted God to move? so that at the end of the day, God got glory. He didn't say, God, move, move, so that it saves me and my leadership and, and what I've built here. He, he wasn't worried about what he had established. All he was worried about at the end of the day is, God, come on the scene. God, show up that all the world may see you are God. Can I tell you that's where we need to come to in our lives today? Is we've got to get to a place in our hearts that we understand the basis of our prayer. Now, I want you to notice something he says that I, I want you to get a hold of. He, he, he prayed before the Lord in verse four, 15, and he says, O God of Israel, and he points out something that's very powerful here, that dwelleth between the cherubims. Now, what, what does that mean, Brother Jason? Well, you go back to his time. He was a king, but he wasn't a priest. Now, stay with me just a second. Let me help you with what that means. He had all the rights to order anything he wanted done till it came to the house of God and the things of God. Only one person could control what happened in the house of God, and that was the priest. See, even though he was king, there were some things he was limited on he couldn't access. 
And I want you to get a hold of this, and I'm going to walk down front here because I want to show you this. He gets the letter, and this box here is going to represent the letter in his hands. The stage is going to represent what he just said, O God, thou that dwelleth between the cherubims. He had been in the kingdom long enough and seen the works of God long enough done by the priests that he knew what happened in the place called the Holy of Holies. See, back behind the altar and back in behind the curtains was the Holy of Holies, and, and there was a process that went on. If you study the mercy seat back there, the priest would go in, and he would apply the blood. He would lay the sacrifice out, and he would, he would take the blood of that sacrifice. Then he would go in unto the Holy of Holies and apply the blood, and then there was something that happened that every common man could see. A cloud would come down and rest upon the sacrifice that was made. And that represented the Shekinah glory. In the hills of North Carolina, they call it the Shekinah. It's the Shekinah glory. Listen, what was it? It was the presence of God had come down because he was pleased. But I want you to get a hold of this. The only person that could go back there and get that result was the priest. Now stay with me just a second. Would all agree when he gets the letter he's burdened? Would all agree he understands who the Lord is by what we read? But get a hold of this. He's only a king. He goes to the temple. But right here is as far as he can go. To the outer courts. To the altar. He lays it on the altar. And ladies, would you pop up verse 35 for me? I believe it is verse 35. I want you to notice when he laid that out. Read this verse with me. It came to pass, notice this, that night the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians 104 score and 5,000 when they arose early in the morning. Behold, go to verse 36 if you can. They were all dead corpses. Now you say, Brother Jason, help me. What's that mean? Get a hold of this, okay? You can close your Bibles. I'm done. All right? You think, man, we're going to get out of church early. You're right. All right? Get, get this. I want you to get this, and then I'm done. He's got his letter. He can't go back here with it and lay it on the mercy seat like the priest could and get the blood applied to it and get the Shekinah glory to come down on it and get all the works that goes on behind the curtain, which is the grace. And there's a lot I could preach on the mercy seat. It represented the grace. It represented the blood. It represented the presence of God. See, he wanted all them things to show up, the presence of God. He understood what that meant. He understood what it meant when God was honored but get this, because he's a king, he could only go right there to the outer courts, and he had to go home. You say, Brother Jason, help me. What, where are you going with this? He had to go home and hope. He didn't know if God was going to show up on the scene. Brother Tony, when I read this, God helped me more than I can even explain because we just read verse 35. We know the end, right? 
We know he wakes up the next morning and what happened, correct? He had no clue of that when he left that night. His heart was burdened because he knew if God didn't show up, his kingdom will be destroyed. Some of you sitting here today, you're at that point that if God don't show up, it's bad. It's serious. You need a miracle. You need God. You may not be there yet, but listen, some of you in the days ahead may really need to touch heaven, and I want you to get a hold of this. I told my dad last night, my dad's been my pastor, my, my mentor for 45 years of my life, great man of God. I said to him last night, I said, I never dreamed the last year, year and a half would hold what it's held in my life. He said, nobody can predict what's coming tomorrow. Nobody does. But he said, God knew what you'd face, and he knew he would prove some things to you and show you some things. And he knew he'd take you through some things that would change you, and he did. And I say that to say this. Some of you may be sitting here today comfortable, relaxed, and all good. Tomorrow that could be turned upside down, and you need to know how to touch heaven. So get a hold of this. He leaves it there. He goes home. We see what God done. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if God could do that for a guy that could only go to the outer courts, the preacher in me come out and God began to run me through the scriptures. In Revelation chapter 5, it talks about we've been made kings, and get this, and priests through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean, Brother Jason, for you and for me? If you're a child of God, I want you to get a hold of this. He could only go to the outer courts and he still got the great effects of what he was hoping for. You and I have been made priest through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the death of Jesus Christ, through the shedding of his blood, the perfect lamb. He took and fulfilled all righteousness for us. So we don't have to take our burdens right here. Listen, we can go into the holy of holies before the throne of God, and we can lay our burdens down upon the holy seat of God. And listen, we have better hope, better assurance, and better confidence when we walk away that God will move. Is anybody, is that registering with you? You say, what, what do you mean, Brother Jason? Because of the work of Jesus Christ, I have a basis for why I come to the altar. I have a basis before why I try to touch heaven. I have a basis why prayer is more to me than just some words I utter in the air and should be to you. Because because I'm a child of God, because of the sacrifice of God, because of the blood he shed, because of the risen Savior that now sits at the right hand of the Father to ever intercede for me, when I come before God and I lay my burden down before God, I walk away with absolute assurance, confidence in my heart and in my soul that God will move. Why? Because it's not based on my works. It's based upon the sacrifice and the blood of God that was shed for you and me that I can walk away knowing I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. And I want you to stand all over this house and I want you to get a hold of this right here. And the last last thought I, I have, I'm going to ask the musicians. We see the burden, we see the basis. I want you to get a hold of this. We see the blessing. The blessing of his prayer. He went, he left, and get this, it was still dark. It was night. But aren't you glad the God of the day is the God of the night? 
He went home with hope, but no confidence. And I tell you, when, when I come to the altar now, I, I leave with confidence. Why? I just said to you, it's not based upon my works. The work's done, been done through the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ. The blood's been applied. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and listen, here's what he's saying. Not based on what they've done, God. Based on my work and my sacrifice. Would you do that for them? See, he gets the blessing of his prayer, wakes up the next morning, and God's moved. 